Dr. Kulreet Chandri is a Western-trained physician who's discovered through all of her research and personal experience the power of using both food and sound to heal the human body, mind, psyche, and spirit. This is an incredible podcast. I can't wait to share it with you all. Enjoy. But before we get started, I want to talk to you once again about native deodorant. So there's a whole host of deodorants, and they have dope commercials. Honestly, the commercials are pretty good. Well, some of them suck, but a lot of the commercials out there that you'll see on TV are pretty good. But the deodorant is crap. It may smell okay, but what you're actually putting on your body gets in your body. Things like aluminum, parabens, sulfates, talc, all of this shit is not designed to be in the human bloodstream. It's just not. So when you're actually thinking about a deodorant, you're going to want to think about a deodorant that doesn't have any of that crap and that it smells good. And that's what native deodorant is all about. They have great smells. They have lavender and rose, coconut, vanilla, cucumber, mint, citrus, and herbal. All of them are good and they don't have any crap in them. And it's no surprise why you have 14,000 five-star reviews, why people absolutely love these. I'm not a deodorant guy at all myself, but everybody who's bought this deodorant and everybody i know who uses deodorant who tries native they are an absolute convert so check it out go to nativedo.com slash marcus or use the promo code marcus at checkout you'll get 20 percent off your first order once again nativedeo.com slash marcus or the promo code marcus for 20 percent dr chaudhary welcome to the podcast how are you thanks so much i'm doing great how are you guys So wonderful. Really, really excited for this. So for those of you listening, I am joined by my wife, Vailana Marcus, who is a sound healer. And we're going to be talking about sound medicine and a lot of other things with Dr. Chaudhary. But I figured we'd all get a little roundtable discussion for this show. So really excited about that. And how great is it to be married to a sound healer, though? (laughs) That's really wonderful. It, com- it comes in handy yeah. quite often. Yeah. Yep. Especially like yeah. this morning, for example. <laughs> for example. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's pretty much a daily gift that I get to receive. But it was great reading your book because it started to put some of the scientific understanding behind it. And actually, now I was always able to feel it but I didn't really understand necessarily what it was doing. And I had some loose understandings about how all matter can be expressed as particle or wave and everything can be understood as vibration, but not really understanding that the expression of certain tones and notes and the things that she's singing, saying, you know, playing for me could actually be correcting some dissonant vibration in the matter of my own both psyche and body. And that was really interesting to understand. And now I'm even more excited about it. I think that is actually the most complete sentence I have ever heard about describing why sound (laughs) is so powerful. But yeah, I mean, your your wife as a sound healer is essentially a walking pharmacy. Um, And my my husband is the same. He's been initiated um, in India. We call it Nada Yoga, which is the yoga of sound. And so he also uses sound for healing. And um, anything that comes up, I just will go like, Hey, I need, I need something. And, um, you know, it's, it's that powerful for the very reason that you described. Mm -hmm. Now, 
this is really interesting and i want to i want to go back eventually here to you going through med school and then blending some of you know the traditions that you grew up with with the western medical traditions and then now to where you are but let's just talk about what your husband does and what i think vailana does there's a strong sense of intuition it seems particularly in vailana's work and i wonder with your husband as well because it seems like you also have legitimate prescriptions based on certain conditions that you might find in different chakra systems energy systems in the body exactly right so what is the blend of both intuition and then also the body of knowledge like your medical textbook for sound medicine (laughs) oh i love your question you're it's such a great question because i think because you're married to somebody and you're living this you understand some of the nuances of it Um, it's absolutely both a science, um, and an art. And, you know, one of the combinations that I really love about my marriage is that I'm the science and I have to understand that. How does it work? Why does it work? Um, and he's definitely more of the art end of, he can figure out exactly which resonant frequencies are, are needed. And, um, it, comes from a tremendous degree of, you know, intuition. I don't know, you know, in, in your practice, but like for him, it came after many, many, many years of meditation and many years of meditating with some of these great um, masters, you know, in India, um, which, you know, we would refer to as like enlightened masters, that it was only after being with them was he actually given like this ability to be able to, um, literally tune into the frequency of the individual and be able to choose then what are the sounds that are needed. And so even though I can describe the science of it, and he was just, you know, so excited when I was writing the book, because I was like, oh my gosh, I understand why <laughs> what you're doing. Or it's like, we know it works, but I now understand from a scientific standpoint why it works. But, you know, to your point, every single tissue even has like a unique sound. It has a unique song to it. And so these resonant frequencies that, um, you know, existed in these ancient practices, um, they're chosen to help correct a specific area. And that is the intuitive um, part of it, which is just absolutely phenomenal to watch. So you mentioned, I think, the the science of sonocytology, mm-hmm. I believe is how you pronounce it, which is actually... Isn't it amazing? Yeah. So explain that because somehow that's what you mean by the song of the tissues themselves, like each cell having a song. So describe that to people who might not understand. This is really going to be the next generation of medicine. I'm really hoping that I'm alive to see it because we're just in the beginnings of it, um, which you know is ironic because the next generation of medicine is really the ancient <laughs> form that medicine um, you know had taken. And what this field refers to is that... Um, you know, in, in quantum physics, and not to get totally geeked out, but, you know, in quantum physics, we talk about how the world, how all of matter, how the entire universe is actually vibratory in nature. And so when we talk about sound as human beings, we're really just talking about that very narrow frequency that the human ear is able to pick up. That is what we actually refer to as sound. But if you look at a dog's experience, right, they're picking up frequencies that we don't pick up. So we can't say that what they're hearing isn't sound. It's just not sound within the human um, capacity, but it's still sound. And so if you look at the entire world and the entire universe that way, everything is actually making a sound. It's just, are you able to pick that up or not? And so that means that everything within us is also making a sound. And every, you know, different organ and tissue is actually making a unique sound because 
the different tissues are actually erupting from those unique vibrations. It's those unique vibrations that make, you know, a liver, a liver or a heart, a heart. And so this was understood. It's been understood for millennia and it's been written about, um, you know, even from texts from 8,000 years ago, um, it was written about. And so now where science is catching up is that because quantum physics has started to kind of unravel this reality, the next phase of that is quantum biology, which is translating quantum physics into a biological model that's meaning to us as human beings that could actually be medicinal. So we're in the very, very beginning stages of that. And so what they have done is by using extremely exquisite amplifiers, they are picking up the resonant frequency or the, the primal frequency of different tissues and they're translating that into something that is now audible to the human ear. And the theory is if you play that back to the human ear, which then picks it up you know, through the nervous system and essentially relays that frequency to the body, you would be able to correct tissue that has kind of gone out of tune mm -hmm. um, simply by tuning it back to its resonant frequency. Mm -hmm. That's... Uh... It's so cool to, to see you write about that and talk about it. And also, you know, there's the other side of that, which is potentially with other corrective measures, if you actually measure the sound of a dying cell, a particular sound of a dying cell, then instead of the radiology and instead of the chemotherapy that we're using to actually target cells, you could actually potentially, and this is all theoretical at this point, hasn't been done, but potentially use the frequency of the you know, necrosis, the dying cell to actually kill cells that you didn't want in your body, like a tumor cell. Exactly right. And they actually are doing that research. So even the, the, the sounds theoretical, but see, as you start to build the science of it, the technologies automatically come and people always ask me, you know, when I talk about this, if, if this is so revolutionary, why aren't we doing it? And I said, because the science hasn't been openly accepted and technology only follows um, science, the new beliefs. And so there are people that are experimenting with this where they are just like you would um, shatter a, a crystal glass. Um, they're figuring out the frequencies to shatter cancerous cells. Mm -hmm. So wow. we're, we're, we're just kind of getting there. The hangup really isn't going to be so much in the science. The hangup is that once you have a given science that has a entire, um, you know, business behind it, then it's hard to shift the business model. And we have a very disease-based business model. Mm. And so if we suddenly started treating cancer with sound vibrations, it's the collapse of an entire medical industry. So sure. it's not sure. going to be the science. It's, it's ad adjusting to new businesses that provide these technologies that slowly begin to replace the old business models. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For for those of us who don't understand sound science that well, what is it about a certain sound frequency that does shatter a glass? Like, what is it? What is it that actually creates that phenomenon? And so, what it is is it's essentially finding a resonant frequency within that object, and then amplifying it to the mm. point that it's no longer able to hold the structure of the matter. I'm trying to make that even easier. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. You know, if, if people have ever seen like tuning forks, if you have two mm. tuning forks of the same frequency, if you tap one tuning fork as it's, as it's just sitting next to the other one, the other one will begin to vibrate. And so you can do that, you know, with matter where if you start to um, create a resonant frequency, that vibration 
within within that solid mass will begin to vibrate and eventually it breaks the um more solid component so is there so let's say let's take this glass because i think this is helpful in actually understanding sound in general so you have the glass and, and there are molecules that are bonded together at a certain and moving at a certain speed and they have a certain density you know most everything is all space anyways so they're all atoms even though it looks solid it's all atoms just bumping into each other constantly and so there's a certain pitch a certain frequency of sound that actually goes through and then causes the atoms to vibrate in a different way because not all frequencies will do that right it's not about volume right it's it's exactly right and so what what we can say is, is it's going in and if you look at our most fundamental if our most fundamental makeup is frequency it's it's going in and it's shifting those molecules and it's shifting kind of the um what's the easiest way to explain the rate at which those molecules are moving Mm-hmm. until then the outer phase of it is no longer you know the same and again because this is you know people might be like well gosh sound medicine sounds really you know s- s- scary and like it could have you know negative uh side effects if you're breaking stuff but no these are very 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 specific frequencies and you know the frequencies that um are used in healing are frequencies to help to normalize the cells and we never try to you know um, bring like the intensity of the sound waves to a point where you're actually trying to like um, shatter matter. For example, well, fortunately we're not. Fortunately we're not made of glass. So, <laughs> so, but I think it just speaks to the it speaks to the effect, the power that it has on the on the cellular structure as well. I mean, the ability to tune into a particular frequency and create a far different reaction in solid matter than another frequency of the same volume. Right? And, and you know, we do have we actually do have this even as technologies in medicine. We have certain sound technologies that are starting to come out um, that actually generate a specific frequency. There's um, a particular one that is um, using sound um, to actually generate a frequency that goes in to remove um, benign tumor cells like fibroids for for women. Is that um, what is that with ultrasound? It is. Yes, it's using a form of ultrasound. It's using it's an MRI guided um, procedure with ultrasound, mm-hmm. and so we are starting to dip into that field of like, can we use sound to break up, you know, solid tumors? And we we already are, and people are usually surprised that we even use it in cosmetics. So um, there's a form of sound therapy. I haven't tried this. This is going to be like the first cosmetic. Um, <laughs> I want to hear about I this. Go to. <laughs> The first, this is going to be the first cosmetic treatment I go to because I'm like, it uses sound. Okay, I'm on board. You know, sound and light, <laughs> I'm on board. But it's called uh, Yule Therapy, and it's actually using sound to stimulate collagen production. And so wow. this is what I mean. Like, you know, I think we're going to go away eventually from all of these invasive technologies, you mm-hmm. know, whether it's for beauty, whether it's for cancer, whether it's, you know, for whatever, we're going to go away from like opening up, cutting, tightening things or cutting something out to just saying, well, why don't we leave the body intact and just send something that goes inside and stimulates, you know, cells. Mm. Yeah. It seems, uh, I think you also mentioned it in the book, but there's, there's potentially the harmony of the entirety of the organism, you know, like, and you talk a lot about the biofield, that's kind of the energetic frequency of the being in total. And, and so there's almost like this master frequency, which is the harmony of all of it, just like the earth has the Schumann resonance, you know, the master frequency, of course, 
volcanoes have a different frequency than clouds have a different frequency than ocean but together all together you can call it whatever that is eight point something hertz at the schumann resonance of the frequency of the earth itself same as we as organisms have it and then also just you know i've been a a journeyer in psychedelic medicine and ceremony for over 20 years now and i remember in one particular ceremony i was inquiring of the nature of god and the message came that god is the all sound yes it's the all frequency and that's exactly how it's described in the ancient text um well let me go back there's two descriptions of it there's the silence and then there's the origin of life which then becomes sound and so you have these kind of two different aspects of you know whether you want to call it divine energy or god or source or the soul whatever you want to call it we have different labels for it but it's the same but there's these two different states of it and one is in its complete non-creative form which is just pure silence and then the other is in the first um, stage of creation, which is sound. It's just vibration. It's when silence suddenly begins to vibrate, that is from which all of creation um, you know, comes. So it's, 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 a really, it, 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 it's a very beautiful way to be able to connect to that. And people always say, why is sound in particular so powerful? And I said, because it's just the source of creation. It's how life was created. No matter how technologically advanced the world gets, sometimes you're still going to have to mail stuff. Like actually put it through the mail. Now, if you want to, you can go to the post office and wait in a big ass line and waste a bunch of time just to mail your stuff. Or you can sign up for stamps.com and make it super easy. So instead of having to go to the post office and deal with all that crap, you can actually just go to stamps.com, pay for all your postage, and then send your stuff out and it's all easy like easy like sending an email well not quite that easy but as easy as it possibly gets to actually send stuff through the mail stamps.com has you covered i have a little small business now now that i stepped down as the ceo of on it and i have a little team and we work on different projects like this podcast and like different things that i have going on and we signed up for stamps.com and we use it all the time because there's a need to mail stuff and so i highly recommend anybody that's interested Go to stamps.com, sign up for your four-week trial, plus free postage and a digital scale. They're not going to lock you into any long-term commitment. So once again, stamps.com and type in AMP. So go to stamps.com, enter AMP, and you'll get the four-weeks trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Thanks, fam. That was uh, There was something that you were talking about um, that your your uh, guru Ama and your mentor, she talked about how mantras were the way that everything was created, like and and the ability to use mantras. And I think this is a good opportunity to segue back into kind of your origins and your upbringing, and and then into and what you experienced in med school and the challenges you had there. But just to finish the thought about Ama, which of course you could probably finish better than me, but she was saying that these these sounds, which can be mimicked and expressed through mantra is actually the origins of life itself and so of course they can be used prescriptively to help the help the human organism but that was something that you know perhaps you grew up with some experience with and then you went to med school in the western model and just kind of <laughs> forgot about that as, as probably most med students do well and it's amazing because you know when you're given something 
so sacred and so special at such a young age because I had learned mantra meditation when I was um, nine years old. Um, after my, my mom had actually developed the thyroid condition and she had gone to her endocrinologist, just regular endocrinologist, wasn't an integrative endocrinologist. And he had recommended, um, transcendental meditation, which is a form of bija mantra meditation. Mm -hmm. And just, he, he had identified that this is a stress induced condition. And so her thyroid condition completely resolved, you know, in six months. So she immediately had my sister and I learn thinking that this is going to be something that will be a value to them for the rest of their life as well. And because I had that at such a young age, I, you, you don't understand just how profound it is because it's now just a part of your life experience. And, you know, of course it shifted everything for me because I had now these two different expressions of reality, this, um, you know, inner reality, which was accessed through sound, but ultimately led to silence. And then this outer reality, which was, you know, our, our physical world. Um, but and then, of course, you know, going into medical school and then into residency and then into, you know, as a neurologist, you drop all of that behind because you become so kind of inundated in this um, shiny new science and you don't even understand the treasure that you have been practicing, mm -hmm. you know, your entire life because it is kind of such a sexy thing to learn medicine because you can dissect everything down and, you know, you have names for everything. And so you feel very clever. Um, but what it left me with was a completely broken down um, body and mind, you know, personally. Mm -hmm. And so as I started going back to my own healing journey now as a physician and seeing the repercussions of my training on my body and mind, I went back to all of, you know, these ancient traditions that I was exposed to, which included, you know, um, Ayurvedic medicine, eating a certain way, living a certain way. And then of course, you know, meditation. And so it was then as a physician, I started recommending it to my patients and I started to see these phenomenal changes in their life. And that was when I started going deeper into this study of like, wait a minute, I'm dealing with neuro neurodegenerative conditions. You know, how is this so powerful for, tr as, as part of a tool set for treating these untreatable conditions? And that, when I started to approach it from that perspective, when I saw what mantras really were, because at, at one point they were so sacred, they weren't shared. And so mm -hmm. even if you wanted to know a mantra, you wouldn't have access to. It. And now they're, they're so widely you know, available, which is unbelievable. But there was a time where they were so sacred, they weren't even shared except for people who were with like a spiritual teacher for 20, 30 years, they would finally be given you know, this mantra. But the mantras are basically just the verbal expression of these vibrations in nature that are prescriptive and have a very specific use. So there was a time where people dealt with agricultural problems like drought using mantras. There was a time where people fought fires using mantras. I mean, there's all of these descriptions in these ancient records of how mantras were used. If you couldn't get pregnant, you were given a specific mantra. If you were having trouble you know, in your marriage, you were given a specific mantra. They were just a part of society's um, tool set. And there really wasn't an area in any, you know, ancient culture where sound wasn't part of the healing of our lives. Mm. And when you say stuff like that, it sounds purely magical to some <laughs> of our listeners, right? Like this is, we're talking about just wizards and fairies and magical and magical <laughs> talk. But then in your book, you do a great job talking about some of the actual science that's been measured, especially on the body with using sound prescriptively. 
So if you want to, you know, cover a few of those examples that come to mind. Yeah, there were so many, so many studies in your book that were so impressive to have access to because, you know, like, like he mentioned earlier, I'm very much the intuitive sense of everything, but to actually see how science is progressing in this, it's so exciting. But yes, please, all the examples. (laughs) I wanted to just address what you said about it being very magical because, um, I think one of the things we've really lost as human beings that life is supposed to be magical. Mm. And I Mm -hmm. think especially when you do have access to somebody who is like a sound healer, uh, it it feels very like my life with my husband feels very magical because I'm always amazed. Like when I bring something up and he goes, Oh, well I can do something about that. You know, and he resorts to sound as a way of, of, of treating different things. And um, you know, that does feel very magical, but the reality is human life was supposed to be, it is very magical. We've just lost the recipe and the language for that magic. Um, but what is really beautiful is the number of research that's coming out about the use of um, sound in general. So, so many um, studies using music therapy, even helping to treat um, PTSD for, you know, World War II vets. Um, so, I mean, this has been used for quite a while and, you know, now using sound to even help with behavioral problems for patients with Alzheimer's disease, something that can be absolutely devastating to a family. And when we look at the research that's been done with, you know, transcendental meditation, you're so much of what they've done is you're looking at all of the things that typically happen with aging and they're just showing how um, Bija Mantra, which is just, it's a sound therapy, is literally slowing down the aging process. and you know, there's studies in the books where I even talk about how um, genetic changes are happening as a result of exposure to sound. So I think, you know, if you looked at a, a few hundred years ago and somebody came up to you and said, listen, I can capture the power of the sun and put it into a little ball and light your room up with it, you know, people would be like, who is this wizard? You know, <laughs> what planet have you come from? Right. You know, and now like electricity, which I mean, isn't that sort of magical that Absolutely. we are able to capture, you know, this um, power and bring it into our homes and look at all the things that we do with electricity. We couldn't be having this conversation without electricity. Mm. Um, so that's where just when we fall short of the science. Everything seems miraculous, but when you actually start diving into the science of it, and this is what I love, you know, in the research that I'm doing in India with the Siddha tradition is they were extremely scientific. They were talking about subatomic particles 8,000 years ago. And so they really did understand the science behind it. And so for them, it wasn't magical or miraculous, not that it wasn't beautiful, but they had an underlying understanding of it, just like we do now. For how you can route electricity to different appliances, you know, in your in your house, and this is what I'm looking forward to. Like I said, I hope it's in my lifetime, just so I can enjoy watching the unfolding of it. But this will be the future of medicine. It's it's already started, and just like the birth of any new science, um, once it begins, it's just a matter of time before our minds are able to accept it. That's the only um, time you know, uh, the, the, the step that's taking the most time is our ability to accept the concepts around it. Well, I've experienced it and I think you've gotten to experience it as well. So, you know, we're very blessed that we have, you know, really talented, intuitive and, and trained sound healers that are, that are able to actually prove the model because what I've experienced, you know, since being with Vailana has been profound. You know, when we, 
first got together, I was having like this chronic prostatitis where I was just had this, you know, prostate infection that I just couldn't get rid of. And of course, a course of antibiotics would knock it down for a little while and then then it would come back. And she started using her Tibetan bowls and singing and it's gone and it stayed gone. Yeah. Since she did that. That's a beautiful, that's beautifully your sound medicine right now. My husband and I are are separate in two different countries because of the travel bans. I was I was here for my book tour and then oh, wow. then the world shut down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Aww. oh, I can't get home, honey. <laughs> but it's been amazing because um, you know, anything that comes up, even though he's in India, um, I was starting to get like a teeny tiny little like, you know, viral infection. And I just, you know, called him up. I said, Hey, listen, do you have some time? He said, Yes. And he just gave me like a one hour session and it was gone. I was like, this is just, I never thought about how, you know, amazing it is to have access to him from the other side of the world and just, you know, go on a zoom call and Mm -hmm. he's able to treat this. It's, it really is such a, it's such a phenomenal experience. And yet it's this experience that could be available to anybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I want to, you know, go to you to talk about how, you know, your process is so you can give an example of that and how you tune in. But just to give a couple other examples, I was also habituated to using Xanax or Valium, some benzos to fall asleep at night. And then with Vi's help and the sound, you know, multiple times a day, I just was able to quit cold turkey, which is really tough with a benzo and haven't been on since. And then there's so many examples, even even last night, you know, examples that don't make any sense. You know, like we had a nice meal of like bison stir fry with some rice pasta and some cheddar cheese and some broccoli. And I'm drinking a little like uh hard cider with no sugar that's like a real probiotic cider and i'm going in she got some new sound bowls and she started playing two crown bowls you know for your crown crown chakra bowls what do they see uh it's a b it's a b i don't know they're not they're an octave (laughs) apart so they're two yeah the they're about they're an octave or potentially two octave i just got it yesterday but they're they're um quite a bit apart but what was interesting is she's playing all the bowls and I'm sitting there and I'm sipping this out of a little champagne glass like a fancy like a fancy guy and just relaxed and then she plays it and then all of a sudden I just start weeping. Yeah. Right? Like wh- why? What is that about? And she played she played 12 other combinations before that and it was like, "Oh cool, they sound nice, honey." And then she played this one. It's releasing some stress held and my my husband's the same. We have, you mm-hmm. know, we have bowls all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> abundance of bulls abundance of bulls yes we do which is interesting to move around when you have that many um but it's the same experience and you know i'm sure you could speak to it as well um you know he has because i've referred certain patients to him and oftentimes i'll have patients that are completely new to this but they they're open to it because they understand that i do have a scientific background Mm -hmm. and so you know i'll have like uh, a lot like my ceos or like my athletes and they're like oh okay and and then same experience they're just like weeping after they're like, <laughs> what's going on? Make this stop. You know, why is this happening? And it's just some deeply held um, pain or trauma or emotion that needs to be released. And once it's released, what's amazing to me is how the shift in biology follows. So mm. I still use like dietary interventions. I still use herbal interventions. I still, you know, recommend doing things like yoga but what I find is like for when there's the big blocks or if I just want to help somebody go faster and if they have the capacity, meaning that they are, they're in a space in their life where they can have big shifts very quickly, 
Mm-hmm. I bring in the sound and that to watch how fast the biology shifts with that is just amazing. And I'd love to hear some of your. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I um, just to touch on uh, what you just said about like the CEOs and the athletes and stuff like that. It's it's always one of my favorite things to experience very, you know, kind of like alpha male um, types of types of men because it moves into them in a way that's so, you know, it, it, it always feels like this nurturing mother, loving angel energy that just like pierces right into the heart and totally just dismantles any kinds of guards or walls that they have up. Um, it's, it's always a really beautiful thing. But the, the way that it moves through with me, um, I was actually trained um, in a, a, a modality called holographic sound healing. It's a little bit spiritual it's it's uh working with sound in its multi-dimensional sense um based on the kinds of um energy and space that i'm creating um as i'm doing a session and the things that come through for me it's always just intuitive i mean i i get visions when i'm working on specific chakras and and how i work is i start with the root chakra and i work all the way up i work through the auric field and sometimes i get very clear visions sometimes i get messages for um, things to have them speak or visualizations to guide them through. And it's always so precise, the things that come through just because um, I hold a level of openness. And for anyone that's interested in, you know, facilitating sound healing, my, my greatest advice is to just trust in yourself. Trust when things might even be dissonant or seem you know, a little bit off, like everything that you intuit, if you can just trust it and move through, move with it, um, you know, it, it kind of just builds your, your medicine bag. But I've watched it work for things that I couldn't even imagine it working for. Some, something uh, that was really surprising to me for a particular um, client that I worked with was he was really struggling with social anxiety and, and, you know, more so just confidence in himself. And after just one session, he's signing up for men's groups and putting himself out there, whereas he couldn't even talk to people. You know, he felt uncomfortable just talking to people at work prior to the session that we had done. And it, it feels to me in the very spiritual and energetic sense that I, um, experience it like it's limitless you know and and i love that reading your book has just put so much like i said so much science to what i experience every time i facilitate sound it's so so exciting so thank you we have to get you and my husband in the same room (laughs) (laughs) that probably would involve you coming to india i would i'm there <laughs> he will not leave the country right now. I'm like, come, just visit for a little bit. And he's just he's so imbued and in love with the energy there. Yeah. But he described something um very, very similar. And he was given a gift. Again, you know, one of the reasons why he loves being there is when you are around these masters, um, they oftentimes will gift you something um mm-hmm. that you don't even know you've been gifted until it, you know, you're doing it. And so what he's been gifted is um, very, very similar to what you're describing, but he just, he closes his eyes and he's able to just scan the person's um, entire energy field and their chakra system. And it's the same thing. Each chakra is holding some Mm. message and then the sound that needs to be used to clear that particular area just naturally comes. And it was, it's really funny because you you were saying like, you can't hold anything, which is wonderful and awful. Sometimes when you're married to a spouse, I mean, you probably relate to them, right? Like, 
<laughs> there was something that had happened, like, you know, I'm now trying to coordinate being a mom and a wife from the other side of the world. And so, of course, there's going to be miscommunications because you are sending something via WhatsApp message, yeah. right? Where you should have, it should have been a conversation. And so something happened and um, I was just like a little bit miffed at him. And I had a session scheduled with him and I didn't want to lose my spot because he's so hard to get into. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that I actually have to book like a month in advance. And so he started to scan and he goes, he goes, oh my gosh. He goes, you're angry at me. And I was like, get out of there. <laughs> I'm not ready to tell you that I'm angry at you. He's like, he's like, oh my goodness. And you know, he has just that same very nurturing, supportive, loving energy. And he was just like, oh, he goes, we've got to talk about this. I'm like, not in the middle of my healing. I'm not giving up my healing. <laughs> but great. you really are. You're completely bare. And I, I really do feel that the people who are given that gift, you know, as yourself, it's entrusted to people that are so pure hearted mm -hmm. and just really do not have the capacity to harm. Like that's really what I see with, with my husband. And I'm sure it's the same for you is that when you're given those kind, that gift and that vision to penetrate into somebody's psyche mm -hmm. who are in, at such a level of sensitivity that there's just no capacity to harm because whatever the other person is feeling, it becomes your own feelings. Yeah. There's such a oneness, you know, in that. Um, so much compassion. So yeah. much compassion. That's what I see in him. And even just being married to him, like I'm becoming a better person just being married to him as his gifts are growing because I'm just seeing that there's this entire another level of human compassion and human love. And what mm. I love about it too, though, is it's also showing what you have to have for yourself. It doesn't mean that you become like a doormat. It's, I've actually become so much more protective of myself and he's become so much protective of himself now that he's realizing that how important it is to maintain that positivity, mm -hmm. you know, and, and just to make sure that we as human beings are bathe ourselves also in love. And so that is why we have like a daily mantra practice. It's, it's to make sure that we're clearing everything of ourselves also, you know, as we're becoming these tools out in the world. Yeah. <clears throat> it, um, it occurs to me that perhaps, and, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but, you know, so when we, when we smell and sense someone's pheromones, which are a signal for you know histocompatibility, some way in which our DNA is being translated to smells to make sure that we line ourselves up with someone who would produce you know an offspring that was healthy and hardy and it kind of advanced the evolution of Homo sapiens, right? So, but this is all done with a scent that we can't detect. You know, it's not we don't we can't like smell it and be like, oh yeah, I smell that. I mean, we can smell somebody's body, but we don't smell the pheromones themselves, but we can feel it. We understand it. And I wonder if the inaudible sound, you know, that you're talking about how all of the organs and all of the chakra energy systems, they're emitting a sound and maybe we can't register it as a sound, just like we can't smell, we, yeah. we can't smell the pheromones, but we can, we hear it in some way. And that's, that's interpreted as intuition. It's exactly right. And, and that's what I was going to say. It, it becomes a, a, a neurochemical event. You know, these things eventually are interpreted by the organ of consciousness, you know, our mind. And it's, I love hearing you guys. Because <laughs> the yeah. way that you're, you're so romantic. <laughs> but the way that you're describing all this, this is exactly, this is exactly how like it is in my house. Like this is how I am. I'm describing all of this in extremely technical terms. And, you know, my husband, Joshua is just like, he's completely like experiencing it and is able to master it. And he, and then I, I explain it back to me. He goes, wow. You know? yeah. <laughs> but it is, it is, it is that. And we're starting to find these, um, 
you know, functions, these mechanisms on a cellular level. And whenever people go like, well, has this been researched? And I said, you know, we only research what we understand as science. So now as we're starting to understand that there is a science around sound, now people are starting to research, well, how is the body interpreting sound? And we're finding out a lot of things. But one is we actually do have structures on every single cell of our body called the primary cilia. And it does pick up vibrations. Mm. And so those vibrations now are not just the sounds that are being picked up by the human ear. This is now just a vibratory, um, you know, uh, tool. And so it's picking up whatever vibrations that the body is internalizing as part of its biochemical makeup. And one of the ways that I have understood like how sound affects um, biology is sound has the capacity to actually shift electromagnetic waves. And we are electrical beings. And this isn't even something that we have to debate. If we weren't electrical beings, we couldn't do an EKG. We couldn't do an EEG. Mm-hmm. Like we know we're electrical beings. We've been using the technologies that um, you know measure our, the electromagnetic waves that we generate. And so sound having the capacity to influence electromagnetic fields we're now starting to realize that those electromagnetic fields actually change biochemistry. So it's not kind of the old model of locking key that I, you know, learned where it's like one thing bumps into another and it kind of fits and then changes. I mean, it's just such a archaic model, but that there's actually field effects in the body. And because sound has that capacity to have a field effect and generate electromagnetic waves and electromagnetic waves, now they're propagated throughout. And this goes back to what you were saying of having kind of like that unified frequency, you know, we're now starting to come up with a mechanism, how our cytoskeleton, which is on a cellular basis, that is like our backbone on a cellular, on a microscopic level, that our cytoskeleton actually is able to um, transduce these electromagnetic waves. So in fact, we have the mechanism for creating a sudden, um, orchestrated event in our entire body and if that event is harmonized towards health it can create a health frequency if it's harmonized for disease it can create a disease frequency and so now you start to understand how to bring in sound to create whatever that you know unified frequency for the human being is that is basically emitting balance um, you know majority of the time and, and again, these are all things that were discussed, um, you know, in these ancient, um, ancient records, I mean, thousands and thousands of years ago. Mm. And so it sounds like magic or it sounds like wizardy, wizardry if you don't have the science behind it. But as you begin to start talking about it in these terms of, you know, a field effect, and, and now that we have the background of um, quantum physics, then it starts to make sense why these people that we would call as enlightened masters or, you know, like Qigong masters, why were they able to then generate a frequency within themselves and then emanate it outwards? And why would that then be able to shift matter? And it's just, it's mastering this process. So if you take away one thing from this podcast, it's the understanding that there are more things that you can do for your health than you probably thought were possible. We've been talking a lot about the benefits of sound. There's incredible benefits from Dr. Chandri's Ayurveda practice. And of course, just the simple accretive benefit of adding the right nutrients into your diet and into your body. 
So when we created Total Human, that was what it was all about. It was about creating something that was more than a multivitamin that had targeted nutrients for both performance, which is our key flagship formulas like Alpha Brain and Shroom Tech, and then general vitamins, minerals, and nutrients like in our Active B and all of the other compounds that we have in Total Human. So what you get is you get a day pack and a night pack that you can just rest assured is supporting your body in as many ways as possible. And ultimately, the goal for all of us is to be able to take our power back, take our health back into our own hands, and really thrive. So check it out if you haven't already. If you're not on Total Human, I highly recommend it. Go to onnit.com slash Aubrey. You can save 10% there, and then subscribe and save, and just make this a part of your lifestyle, and you'll get an extra 15% off. So check it out, onnit.com slash Aubrey. So some of these things, you know, some of the studies that I picked out were uh, effects that music had decreasing cortisol, increasing levels of antibodies. That was a study by Dr. Ronnie Ink, and that was just dance music, let alone like specifically targeted music. That was just a little <laughs> improving, improving people's. And then there was other studies on anxiety, depression, executive function, which seemed like a, a universal lift in getting us back to that prime resonance frequency and then there's the more specific stuff and this is an interesting area so you know you read a book like the body keeps the score and it talks about how trauma is held somatically and so somehow if we if we go back to the vibration model so somehow something has impacted our energy center either a psychic trauma or physical trauma has impacted an energy center in our body and somehow the resonance of that is just out of tune and it's holding that it's holding that dissonance in that energy center so the cells themselves maybe the cilia maybe i i don't know exactly what it is but somehow it's holding that it's holding that 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 frequency and so it seems like what sound healing is doing and sound medicine is doing is it's basically singing back the words of the song of those cells to be like reminding them of of their health right and then releasing that and i think that's where a lot of these somatic releases like the crying and all of these shaking and and all of these things that come out is the body actually releasing what it's what it's held it's exactly right and you know we now know even in animal models that you can traumatize one generation of mice and that two generations later if you expose them to a trigger the grandchildren now of the traumatized mice will have um, a PTSD response. So we know that we hold trauma, you know, on a genetic level, like it can be passed on beyond just, you know, behavior that's passed on in families that it's passed on, you know, in the DNA and in in India and a lot of the ancient um, medical cultures, we call this um, ancestral karma. And karma just means an action that has taken place. People kind of misunderstand what karma means, but as we start to look into the fields of like epigenetics, it makes a little more sense of some action has taken place and it's now contained in in a genetic line and that's referred to as ancestral karma. And one of the most powerful ways of undoing that is through sound and and repetitive exposure to sound. And that's why I'm such a huge proponent of, you know, mantra meditation because it's, you know, in addition to having you know, somebody like, you know, like, like your, your wife, who this amazing healer sure. that you can go to, um, if you don't have access to somebody like that, it doesn't mean that you can't do anything. You still can do a daily practice. And then if there's something that is really, really held, 
because the way that we describe it, um, you know, from the Siddha and the Ayurvedic perspective is that you have layers, you have literally fields that are wrapped around this core um, nugget of consciousness and trauma can be rooted in multiple layers. And that's why sometimes something is really quick to release. And sometimes you keep releasing it over and over and over. Mm. And so doing something on a daily basis to help to bring back that normal balance resonant frequency, um, you know, throughout your, throughout your um, body and mind that even primes you so that when you do meet a a skilled healer, um, you're able to remove it even quicker. Yeah. And it it also, it also, I really loved reading about um, your mantra practice in the book because it gives you authority, you know, and empowerment over your own healing. And, you know, I've used the one that, that Ama, the chakra, the chakra mantra, mantra that um, Ama gave you, which that we actually have a little bit of a funny story about that. <laughs> but I've, but I've experienced, you know, like the experience that I've had, cause I'll use it first thing in the morning when I do my little morning ritual. And, you know, like you suggest in the book, like really putting this loving, dedicated and focused energy into it. I mean, it's, it's felt like it's just started each of my days in the way that I would love to start each of my days and the things that kind of happen throughout the day. It feels like my system is just really open and I'm really tuned into the way that my body feels. So it's, it's, I think it's really great for anyone, you know, because all the, the only thing that you need with, with your practice is just focus in your own, you know, silent meditation or, or, or chanting with your own voice. And it, it totally gives you the power of your own healing. I love that. That's my all-time favorite mantra because it's like a shower for your energy body. Like, you know, just like you feel grimy if you don't wash yeah. your physical body. This for me it's the same way. I start my mornings with that and I just I immediately have a degree of alignment that lasts me, you know, for most of most of the day. And mm-hmm. over time, what you'll find is just that these deep, deep-seated stresses just start naturally coming up to the surface. And once you get accustomed to that process of, you know, that there'll be times where all of a sudden some severe anxiety will come up or some grief will come up. And once you realize that, oh, this is just a releasing and you don't have to create a new story around it where you just, sure. oh, hold on, stop. Just watch it. Allow it to go. Don't create a story around it, meaning don't attach it to something that's happening in your life now. Yeah you know, it really does become this, um, this magical experience. Like I I do feel like even though as I'm getting older, like at 46, I feel so much more physical and mental balance than I did at 36. And that's a lot to say for somebody who's going through perimenopause, (laughs) but like there's this new level of inner balance and awareness that I didn't have 10 years ago. And that's just, that's what happens as your mantra practice, you know, builds. Yeah. It's um, it's definitely. I would love you know when we close this out after we're done chatting about a few more subjects. I'd love for you to you know guide people through just one of the simple mantras that you list in the back, um, whatever whatever you intuit might be the best. Because yeah, like you said, I mean, I think again, one of the things I think we need to get away from is this idea that we don't have the power to fix ourselves and that we need to go to somebody in you know, a lab coat or somebody in a, in a white smock and a, with a stethoscope, you know, or whatever we think in our mind, which is like the modern day wizard costume, right? Like we right. got to go to I them. And if we don't go to them, we can't fix ourselves. And I think, and I think that model needs to be 
radically shifted and so we can just take back our sovereignty for our own health and our own well-being especially with everything going on in the collective and understanding like this you know can be a wake-up call to really take our own health in our own in our own hands and that includes the utilization of sound and it also includes the utilization of you know diet and i want to touch a little bit on ayurveda as well because that's just one of the longest standing and most respected kind of complete dietary intervention herbal intervention medical systems that has been around i don't know how many thousands of years in india well, written five thousand that's why it's hard to gauge the age of some of these things like the siddha records which is very similar to ayurvedic medicine just a different locality they have written records going back eight thousand years and so because these were oral traditions we don't really know how old they were but it's mm-hmm. you know ayurveda was just preserved in india but like if you go to um, different parts of like Latin America and even to ancient Russia, it was all the same system. Mm. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I would love for you to, and some people might be familiar, but take us through some of the some of the principles there. And I think the question that I had that hopefully we can arrive at is, I think we're trained now because of the way science is to be really materialist, reductionist, look at the micronutrients, look at the macronutrients. But it seems that there's an energetic component to food. There's a vibratory component to food. And that perhaps just as the body can store trauma, you know, so too can the food store trauma, the trauma of the land or an animal if we're consuming meat. The animal can store the trauma of, the, of how it was raised and how it was how it lived and whether it was humanely, you know, killed and how every aspect and, and harvested every aspect we i think this is something that's really overlooked and i'm deep into the nutrition science but i nobody's really talking about this because we can't measure it with our instruments we can't pull it all apart and see all the atoms and have it make sense but it seems like a system like ayurveda is paying attention to all of these factors how the energy of the food is affecting the energy of the person it's exactly right and you know i was going to say there are some ways of measuring and i'll give you some examples of some of the stuff we're doing in india um but Ayurveda, it's, you know, I would say it's like the original lifestyle medicine. You know, mm-hmm. we're just starting to get into lifestyle medicine, which basically is saying like how you live influences your health. And I can't believe that when I started doing this, you know, like 15 years ago, that this was revolutionary. <laughs> like, how is that a revolutionary statement to say <laughs> how you live influences your health? Um, and so the fundamental principles are, you know, food is medicine and that disease or the lack of disease is a culmination of choices that we make on an individual and a societal level. And so going to this idea of, um, you know, the vibratory quality of food, the way that food used to be grown was at the seed stage, they would actually expose them to different mantras Mm. at the seed stage. And every level of um, growth of the plant as it became, you know, a vegetable, a fruit, whatever, there was a vibratory component of that. So the farmer or the family that was planting and growing the food, they were in relationship to their um, food. And, <clears throat> excuse me, even when children were born, um, oftentimes like the placenta was used to plant like a particular fruit or something And the plant then from a seed level was capable of integrating the information about that child and literally became like the medicine for the child. And so there was this entire intimate relationship between food and human beings where 
there was an understanding, and this was the same for the animals, that there was an understanding that the quality in which the plant was raised reflected then the quality and the value, the nutritional value of that food to the person. And um, there was a real relationship between, you know, human beings and what eventually ended up, you know, on their, on their plate. And this now, of course, is just completely absent um, with the way that we're approaching, you know, modern day farming. But there's still ways that you can do this. What my family did when we were, um, you know, living in San Diego is we, we, we just had a small garden, like something that at least like we grew like one or two things. And we tried to grow it using many of those ancient practices and like going out and like literally bonding with our food so that there was an energetic exchange so that we were connected with it. And I'll tell you, like, those were, like, when you would eat that zucchini or when you would eat that, like, red chart, I mean, it was, like, just, like, you would get, like, a zap. And when you look at, you know, like, now when we're looking at how much, how, how much do we have to eat just to get the amount of, like, micro and macronutrients, when you have food that is highly charged like that, like we had to eat so much less and I would just be like, my gosh, I feel so energized. Like I feel really, really vibrant, even though I've eaten a very, very small you know, amount of it because ultimately what you're breaking the food down to is energy. And so if you're energizing your food, you wouldn't need as much to get like your nutritional you know, support. And so there's an entire science around this in Ayurvedic medicine just around agriculture and how to make food so that it's extremely, extremely nutrient, uh, you know, dense. And so I, I first just start with in just what you were saying, like giving patients that self of um, that sense of self empowerment. I first just start with having them connect with their food, like at least making conscious decisions about what's going into their body. Cause most people don't even make conscious decisions about what they eat. And so first having eating become a more conscious process and then slowly developing it from, from there. Because even if you sit down and you think you're having a healthy meal, but you're just yourself not tuned into what that process of eating actually means, your, your body is like in the mode of you know, work or sitting and watching uh, television or working on a computer and you're trying to make it digest. And so first, just even making that connection to like, when you are eating, you need to focus and attend to your food. You know, those little mm -hmm. tiny steps. And I'm amazed that when I just get people eating like enough vegetables, like in their diet, you know, because oftentimes when I'll start with people and they're having maybe a vegetable max, like when we just start getting them into like whole foods, you know, and, and choosing like the meats from a more conscious perspective, just that change alone has such a huge profound effect. And then we add the supplementation to help to support the diet, but not to replace it. You know, mm -hmm. I'll have people coming in on like 30 different supplements and I'm like, this just means you're not eating properly. And then, you know, as we begin to then add in things like, you know, yoga and sound, um, sound healing, I mean, it's just, it's amazing the transformations that happen. And it's not just a transformation of the individual, it's a transformation of families. And when you start to transform families, you start transforming communities. And this is really how we begin to create, you know, a more peaceful and healthy world is like within the family unit. I can, <clears throat> I can see now, you know, instead of, uh, I think a lot of us, you know, we're exposed to this idea of saying grace, 
which is not really necessarily connecting with the food it's connecting to typically an anthropomorphized deity you know and in some way but instead like i could see you just singing to the food Mm. you know both in our garden and as we eat it and just taking a moment to do this with sound and vibration rather than worrying about the words Mm. or you know these hollow expressions where you say thank you but you don't feel it with your heart you know it's just kind of going through the motions like the actual the actual intention just like you would in sound healing Mm -hmm. you know it's not just saying the thing i mean we could repeat the the words of the mantra but if unless we really put our energy and our body into it and it won't have the same power and it seems like a, a great way to become conscious of what you're eating and also you know charge it and connect with it and then try and create that resonance between the inputs into your body so that your outputs ultimately are are charged as well it also it also just as you were speaking you know in my mind all i kept hearing was sacred like what a sacred way to live life to actually honor you know the things that you put in your body instead of it just being this like you know kind of like materialist consumption world that we live in but actually honoring it as sacred it's really really powerful that's actually, the, I think that's really the key because anything that's done with that sense of, you know, it being sacred, it's, it's done with love. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's so funny because uh, when like my husband and I first met, you know, I was more like kind of the neuroscientist and he's kind of like this uh, healer from these different global traditions where like, you know, he's like lived in a Buddhist monastery, then he's lived, you know, and uh, his his entire being just radiated love, you know, and beingness. And like in everything he did, he was so present. And so wherever he went, he brought such harmony and um, that feeling of the sacred into every single thing. And I would just notice like kind of there was, I always called it like the love bubble around him. Like there were, if you got into his love bubble, there was just kind of like the circle of magic that happened. And now, you know, so much later in our lives, as I've gone down like the scientific um, path of understanding these ancient techniques. I'm like, oh, it's just it's love. <laughs> it's, just, it's just living in a state of love, which just invites kind of that sacred energy. But now I can now I understand the science and the biology behind it. So I'm like, now it's legitimate. You know? <laughs> but that's how that. But that's helpful because so many people need that. A lot of, you know, for, for the level of openness of our collective, you know, towards these things that have worked for thousands of years. Well, I, I really needed it. I, I needed yeah. it for it to become a practice. Like yeah. for him, it was just a state of, of natural being. For me, I had to really cultivate it because I had cultivated my mind so strongly. Mm-hmm. And so when I understood the power of cultivating sacredness in terms of like why it was good for your health you know, why it was good for my patients, why it was good for like your finances, like why it was good for like everything. Everything grows when you treat it like that garden of, of sacredness and that when, and, and you know, even just from like, you know, quantum field therapy theory that when you put your observation towards something, it becomes mm-hmm. more orderly. And yeah. so that's what being sacred means or living in a sacred mean just means when you put your attention to something, it becomes more orderly. And so now I'm just like, oh no, this is just a really efficient way to, to live because everything grows. And I, I, I want to just mention this one thing when you said, you know, how can we measure it? So we have been doing this in India where we're exposing certain plants like to um, mantras and vibrations. 
and mm-hmm. they grow three times more. They're, they're, and nothing else has been changed. Like the, the fertilizer, like this- everything is the same. And just applying the mantras to this, this tomato plant versus that one, it's three times larger. Wow. And the tomatoes taste um, just more tomatoey. I mean, like the, yeah. the flavor is <laughs> richer. Yeah, yeah, it's like a it's like a real life. Um, I don't know if you've ever read the book Celestine Prophecy, but in a in a portion of it, in a portion of it, um, I believe that they meditate or just send love to the plants. Yes, and it's this whole sanctuary where they're. I don't know um, necessarily that it was mantra, but they're you know consciously kind of in a meditative state sending love to the plants and it's just this beautiful eden it's a fiction it's a fiction book but you're really doing it in real life (laughs) it seems like you know we know that emotion can change the the vibratory frequency of the being so our prime resonance changes when our emotion changes from you know the way that our brain is firing the way that all of the different electrical electrical aspects of us is is changing so in a way even if we're just beaming love in silence in quotations because we're not vocalizing anything we're still singing with the entirety of our body Mm. we're still singing love to everything that's around us in the inaudible but also perceptible frequency of love it's exactly right. And that, and, and again, I keep using my husband as, as a model because he, he, he was like, so the antithesis of the scientific world. <laughs> but now I'm like, I can scientifically validate why you're as great as you are. Like now I can scientifically <laughs> validate why I love you so much now. Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's exactly that. And, you know, it, it brings a new awareness to like why our psychology is important and why things like anger, you know, are so toxic and why things like forgiveness are so important um, because of the impact that it's having inside of you. But then also how that resonant frequency is being received by your entire environment. And mm-hmm. if there's something about your life that you don't like, like even if it's something as you see, you know, oftentimes people think like, okay, I can understand how this affects my biology, but how would it affect my finances? But it does. We even have specific mantras to help with that. And if there's something in your life that you don't like, you've got a frequency that is in disharmony within you and you've got to change that first. Trying mm-hmm. to do it outside in is, it, it takes a lot of work and oftentimes it takes you away from a state of peacefulness and happiness. It's like, I'm going to grab this from somebody else and make it mine rather than just allowing it to actually come to you. Mm. Yeah, well said. I think one of the great, you know, one of the great, myths that we have the stories that we live by is that the solution is outside of us you know the solution is in that next promotion it's in that you know the right lover it's in the you know whatever the ten thousand followers that we're looking for the hundred thousand in our bank account we have all of these ideas of when we get this everything is going to be fine when that's never the solution and there's as much research as you could possibly stack up in an entire library showing that the extrinsic pursuit of goals doesn't make anybody any happier or any better like all of these things have to come from within and you know what better way than to just start practicing with some of these technologies that humans have evolved alongside for thousands of years like the mantra you know i mean that's so i think that's my that's my cute segue into let's let's practice a mantra are you, are you down to uh, to teach us one do you want to 
Do you want to tell her how you taught me? <laughs> I don't even remember the acronym. So, so I was trying to memorize the um, the chakra mantra, and I, you know, I was using the book kind of as a reference and having to look at it over and over. I wasn't able to just like be in flow with it, and because a lot of the words, you know, are, they're very similar, I was just having a really hard time. So he came up with a little acronym <laughs> that's, uh, I think it was. Um, Hari Om, which is for the root chakra, and then it was um, the the acronym was No Limit. So Nam oh, Lam, that's great. No Limit, my special, my very special my, Ram, my very special <laughs> Ram, uh, very very yummy yummy ham, <laughs> very yummy, yummy ham. <laughs> oh my gosh, Shiva, Shiva Om, Om Swaha. That was how I finally came to memorize it. <laughs> And you know, it took me a while actually to memorize this. And I just wrote it down. And I tell people, like, don't worry, just read it first. Yeah. Out loud. <laughs> and I'll share that mantra because that is the, I still find that it's, it's the most universal. I wouldn't say it's the most powerful because there are some mantras that are very, very, very powerful mm. that should only be given and done. And I don't include those like in the book, but those should be given and done like under the tutelage of somebody. But this yeah. is just like, it, this is, it's such a profound um, mantra and it covers, you know, everything. Um, and so in the beginning, you know, I just tell people like, just read it off. It's okay. And then eventually it starts to, um, get internalized and you can do it quietly. Mm -hmm. And then eventually you can, um, you know, um, just focus on the different chakras. So Hari Hom is actually the sound that begins the mantra. So it's not related mm -hmm. to the chakra yet. Oh, okay. And it's Hari Hom. Then Nam Lam is the first one that's, and those are the Bija mantras okay. for the different, um, chakras. So yeah, I would love to 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 share that. Yeah. So I always have to close my. It's hard for me to do with my eyes open. Up. <laughs> That's Hari Om Nam Lam Mam Bam Sim Ram Vam Yam Yam Ham Shiva Om. Swaha. And so that will literally cover every major energy center. And in the beginning, I tell people only do it for five minutes because most people are surprised that things start to move, especially if you're new, mm -hmm. you know, to sound medicine and then increase it to 10 then 15. And eventually um, only 20 minutes a day. You don't need to do more than 20 minutes a day. It's not even encouraged because we don't want the energy to be flooding the system too, you know, too much at a time. We want the integration to happen, you know, through your activities. So yeah, that is awesome. my favorite mantra to give to people. Yeah, that's awesome. Let's go, let's do one because, you know, a lot of people are potentially driving in their car. They're not going to be able to remember that one. And I'm sure the people will go back and find it. There's some of the simpler mantras that are more deity based at the end that we might be able to just all together run a couple run a couple rounds and then invite the listeners to kind of jump in if if any of those intuitively come there's, to you as there's something. one that i really love giving um and just as we had talked about there's um for both men and women there's a real um lack of of divine feminine energy and so mm -hmm. that doesn't have to be just like within a woman it's within a male body so what mm -hmm. you were describing that experience of that divine female healing energy coming in and so that the the fullness of the divine female energy so you can use different mantras to um elicit different aspects of the divine feminine so like whether it's wisdom whether it's prosperity whether it's strength but the mantra that encompasses 
all of the divine feminine energy in its absolute fullness is um, Om Namo Narayani. Om Namo Narayani. Narayani. So, yes, and you can chant it however you want, but this is how we often do, we'll do it in India is Om Namo Narayani. Would you like to do it together? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. <clears throat> Om Thank you so much for that. It reminds me a lot too, um, for years, I don't know if you've ever heard the song Devi Prayer. Mm-hmm. Yes. But, oh my gosh, I, could, I couldn't get, it's been used in so many ceremonies and just singing along to it, you know, the shift that you can feel in your, in your energy and your emotional and mental state is profound. Really yes, and that's a, that's a beautiful, beautiful one. And this one, this, so each of these are, you can say like, sometimes we have these very, very long mantras, like for pages, and it takes, you know, many, many minutes to do. And then the Om Namo Narayani, this is the sound that encapsulates all of that in this one little phrase. Mm -hmm. And then when we do the Bija mantra, it's just literally like a sound that encapsulates even that entire phrase. So it just keeps Mm -hmm. getting like more and more condensed, but it's the same resonant frequency. It's just being expanded. Yeah. Well, this has been incredible. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to share? Of course, the book, Sound Medicine. Um, so incredible. Available everywhere. Yeah. No, this share? has been delightful. And I'm just, I'm so happy that you both, um, you both came. I'll tell you, you're making me miss my husband like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to meet him. As soon as the world oh, opens, I'm on yeah, a Yeah, you, you, you just, you, you really have to. Maybe I just, I want to tell people that, you know, we are designed to respond to sound. It's why as soon as you walk into a room and somebody is angry, your entire biochemistry changes. And it's the same like if somebody, you know, you walk into a room and somebody goes, you know, hello, darling, I'm so happy you're home. Your entire biochemistry changes. So just for people not to be afraid that this is not something outside of themselves. It's actually just part of your, of your biochemistry. And even if you just lightly experiment, like with some of the, you know, some of the mantras, you're already using sound in life, but you're not doing it deliberately. Like, why not do this deliberately? Mm. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> this has been beautiful. So thank you so much. And, uh, Pleasure. and thank you. give your husband our best as well. And I'm sure, I'm sure we'll keep in touch. And um, we share the same publisher as well. So if you talk to Karen before I do, oh, give okay, her fantastic. some love also. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Thanks for tuning into this podcast. You can follow Vailana at Vailana Marcus. And of course, Dr. Colree Chandri's book, Sound Medicine, is available everywhere. Thank you so much, fam. I'll see you next week.